welcome to this edition of the Hindu podcast and this is Varghese K. George, your host for the day. Our guest today is Vinod Thomas, a resident of Tiruvannandapuram and a former senior vice president at the World Bank. He is currently teaching at the Singapore National University and Vinod has written extensively on development and on Kerala particularly. We discuss with him today Kerala's success, we must add so far, in tackling the COVID-19 pandemic and what lies ahead for the state. Let, let us begin by asking, what, what in your opinion uh, makes Kerala a unique case in, uh, in dealing with this pandemic? Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Mr. Vargas George. Um, I think the first thing I'm going to mention might take you by surprise that one Kerala has won a lot of applause for the immediate handling of the Nipah episode <clears throat> and now the disaster, uh, disaster of COVID-19. Uh, what strikes me more is the investment the state has made over the years, and that really goes back decades, to be prepared, both in terms of the technical side, but even more importantly, on the mindset of the people and the leadership that these pandemics, these natural disasters, and I include that the great floods of Kerala in 2018, can and must be addressed uh, for the people's uh, sustainable livelihoods. Yeah, so this mindset is being built in Kerala, uh, would you say over some decades or centuries? So how would you uh, describe that formation of that mindset in Kerala? Right. And here, a lot has been written and people have focused on many different aspects. So clearly, it's not a case of uh, one or the other. But uh, let's say that uh, the immediate past of the last decades, uh, Kerala has stood out uh, in giving priority for health and education. And I say both for the following reason. Uh, if you just take health expenditures, um, the state spending on health is, is good, but it doesn't leap off the page uh, when compared to the other uh, states. It's, it's pretty good. But the total spending on health, that means including the private sector and including households, that is a striking 6.5% of GSDP. And you might ask, why is Kerala spending well on health that is total spending, not just the public sector, uh, compared to the United States. Well, it has a relationship to the educational side. So there the state scored well. And here the record goes back. Education was not built in a day. Uh, certainly uh, the administrations uh, post-independence and from 56 on have uh, emphasized education and health. But going further behind that period, uh, we can trace it to the uh, enlightened leadership uh, of the Kerala ruling uh, groups, as well uh, in the case of um, health, uh, that the primary health centers, the community health centers, they have a, 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 a history. And also uh, take just simple indicators like in 1879, uh, vaccination was uh, made compulsory by the Travancore uh, uh, rulers. Uh, WHO in 2005, 
found that hand washing with soap uh, in Kerala stood out compared to the uh, dozen countries they uh, they compared, and and the list goes on. So Kerala kind of leaps off the page in relation to the con uh, state's income per capita, which, by the way, right now is a strong sixth in India, but still disproportionate to that per capita income, almost mimicking uh, industrialized uh, OECD country levels. Kerala has shown on basic health and on basic education, a history of emphasis, uh, not just after independence, but going back uh, quite a bit of time uh, in the past. So it's a, it is a uh, combination uh, of the history and the current uh, priorities, noting that looking ahead, and uh, we might have to do that right away, uh, looking ahead, uh, the constraints on spending, the financial um, uh, constraints that the state is facing, and the huge vulnerability it is facing on health and education uh, will mean that this uh, past record is something on which we cannot just rely on. It really has to be built and rebuilt for the future. So before we come to that, two very quick supplementary questions on what you just mentioned. Do you think uh, in Kerala, the public spending on health had a higher impact on the ground because of governance, is uh, better governance generally in Kerala compared to other states? Absolutely, no question. I think the reason I say that is analytically, people have written a lot about governance and uh, pros and cons of decentralization. Kerala is very decentralized, and decentralized meaning at two levels. One, decentralized vis-a-vis -vis India, and then we can get into a whole discussion of whether it is a fair decentralization or an unfair decentralization. But within the state, also, at least three levels of highly functioning public health systems, uh, the three-tier local bodies and so on, uh, they are working. So. One can attribute to that some of the success, but where I go is we're really looking at the results on the ground. How is it that Kerala has twice the number of beds, hospital beds per thousand people, uh, double the numbers that you would see in another state uh, like UP in India? Uh, how is it that the Kerala state can deploy, uh, you know, 300 uh, doctors in 24 hours and public health workers, whether it is the COVID-19 or the NEPA uh, episode. Uh, this could not be done overnight without um, preparedness. And so on the preparedness, which is the biggest constraint when it comes to public health hazards, people do things after they occur. But to do things ahead of time, anticipating or just plain good governance is where you get high marks. And so uh, that is probably why I would say that Niti um, Ayog um, uh, uh, has ranked Kerala as number one among all the states uh, on health uh, index, uh, a composite of several uh, indicators. Unfortunately, India as a whole is ranked 54th in the world uh, on global health security index which is a composite of six indicators, which doesn't bode well. And in Kerala functions within that setting as an outlier.
All right. Okay. Before we move to the next set of question, one more on what we've been just discussing. Uh, the private investment in health in Kerala, including hospitals, where do they come from? Right. So, uh, in the end, uh, economists would say it's a matter of supply and demand, and both things are at play. But perhaps underemphasized is the demand side. As we um, earn income, uh, work, and make a livelihood, we decide how best should we distribute our expenditures. Uh, where does the money go? Um, I would think of health and education as investments rather than uh, consumption expenditures. Kerala strikingly uh, shows, uh, and it comes naturally. I don't think anyone goes around and talks about it as though it's something extraordinary, but naturally the share that's going into investment in health and education by people requiring, demanding, requesting, desiring more of that naturally by way of children going to school, by way of everybody getting a vaccination, by way of uh, basic hygiene. Uh, of course, we can quibble about that. It is probably not as good as it should be. But nevertheless, that is the demand side, uh, which is inculcated or uh, developed over the decades. And education definitely has a role to play. I think that is a fundamental factor. Uh, women's education, as you know, was emphasized from the early 19th century uh, by the then queen and um, then onwards uh, it, it has become the rule of the land. So uh, the demand side is one piece but then uh, add to that the coexistence of religions in India, in Kerala in particular, uh, uh, where uh, Christianity, uh, Hinduism, Islam and different groups, uh, all of them uh, and this is the best kind of competition you can think of, competing for both basic education but also tertiary education. And the mobilization of the resources uh, come in the form of wanting to be better or uh, equipped to serve communities through education. And so the supply side uh, met the demand side in Kerala. This is no means a completely and uh, faultless happy story. There are serious issues with the quality of education. There are serious issues with the pure financing available for education. And you know, Kerala can really do twice or thrice as good in health and education going forward. But for the moment, when we talk about uh, why is it that um, this phenomenon of emphasis on health and education is taking place, I would say people wanting that through their expressed uh, um, marketplace demand and that being met by uh, communities, uh, private sector in this case, uh, together with a decent public sector spending, but not spectacular. And actually it's diminishing uh, in relative terms to some of the other states. Um, 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 that would be uh, the reason why uh, we would be seeing uh, the effectiveness uh, that the rest of the world is marveling uh, as extraordinary. Right. So, in, in the global, global commentaries, Kerala has been compared with Vietnam uh, as two uh, outliers uh, 
in the overall setting of uh, asia itself so now uh, people have not missed another uh, point uh, particular uh, aspect of kerala but uh, one which shares with vietnam which is the influence of communism you mentioned about the the the, the influence of religious uh, institutions and bodies and this positive competition for uh, providing services to the to people so uh, how, how much uh, how do you analyze that kerala still is ruled by a communist government and even though it every 5 years it uh, uh, alternates so how do you analyze that uh, dr thomas without a question after uh, independence uh, say 1956 on um, the state could have um, followed a path that would deemphasize health and education uh, on the pretext or on the uh, in my view for a state like in uh, kerala false premise that infrastructure is the only way to grow now um there are some aspects uh, of uh, the administration spending priorities that made it difficult for investors to come into the state and and uh, uh, contribute to the growth story but uh, a series of communist left uh, wing governments had and this is across the board you can include uh, uh, countries like vietnam but also countries like cuba where basic health and education is taken as a given it's human right uh, and that is the plus side of uh, especially in retrospect uh, now that we look at uh, capitalist capitalistic societies is the plus side of communism before we get to uh, the restrictions the constraints and the heavy hand it did place on growth um, oriented policies which has their positive side in reducing poverty as well so we need a blend of the two but today the, if there is one lesson from the covid 19 it is especially say from the united states you are only as strong as your weakest link so if the basic health and education is uniformly and universally available your weakest link will be less weak and your society will be more resilient and kerala shows that and the credit for that i mentioned a multiple set of factors but one of them is the type of emphasis on basic needs that happened to uh, come out of uh, leadership that let me just say are more left leaning than free capitalist uh, in its uh, uh, framework but then that's not the whole story you also need to make sure that people uh, have growing opportunities for livelihoods and so one needs to blend that with policies that are market oriented as well looking ahead what do you think that kerala should be careful uh, about in in this fight against the uh, pandemic i think this uh, pandemic has been an eye opener uh, i would call it a dress rehearsal for what is coming uh, and that is for the world but i must say kerala is in probably one of the more precarious situations and um, uh, yes we have been prepared for the pandemic uh, but are we prepared for more than one happening in a year are we prepared for two great that took place in 2018 in the coming year 
every district, every one of the uh, districts in Kerala must do a stress test. Uh, that is to say that if we were hit by two uh, events, can each of the 27 districts uh, withstand that uh, with the same ability it showed so far? Secondly, uh, Kerala is a, a bit of a leader in mobilizing capacity across the state when it comes to pandemics, but this needs to be doubled and, and tripled in capability. That, by that I mean, um, uh, if, 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 if it is uh, an issue in Kurikur and there isn't an issue in Tiruvannandapuram, uh, is there a network of capability that can be deployed across the state within 24 hours? I mean, we give high marks for Kerala for mobilizing this, but all I'm saying is that the scale at which that needs to happen in the future would be that much higher. And then um, add to that a couple of vulnerabilities of the state uh, that should be matched with the positive story we uh, made so far. One, and I put it at the higher, uh, high end of the list, is that um, today um, about 13%, 13-15% of Kerala's population is over, eight, over 60 years uh, of age compared to 8 percent rest of India. So the elderly share in the demographics uh, is rising and the vulnerability of that group is, is, is crucial. Number two, Kerala has, let's say, sixth highest per capita income, something like that in the, in the country, keeps up going up and down depending on definitions. But it is also, by one measure, the most unequal society in terms of income is It'll shock some of the ex world observers who think Kerala is one of the most equal states. Yes, it is in terms of basic health and education, which we talked about, but in terms of pure per capita income. The purpose of my bringing that up is not to say that the income of the top should be reduced. No, let people grow and develop. I and mean, that's what we would like to see uh, for innovation and uh, investments in the state. But uh, the low-income strata must, beyond having the basic health and education, have much greater opportunities because they're all highly capable. Uh, but the investments in the lower-income strata needs to be increased much more because Kerala, uh, surprisingly, is one of the most unequal income societies uh, in, in India. And then I would, I would simply add, on the climate change side, Kerala uh, 860 per uh, square kilometer population density. Um, it's the third highest in India after uh, Bihar and West Bengal. And um, the fragility of the ecosystem is extreme. And we need to put an end to mindless mining and destruction of the coastlines and the biodiversity and so on, none of which adds to growth and it's a mistaken notion is that destructive infrastructure helps growth. Our strength, Kerala's strength, lies heavily on the service sector, also agriculture and light industry, not heavy industry. And, and we could go to a far extent in terms of becoming an attractive ecosystem for tourism. And with all the accolades that are uh, piling up on the incredible performance against uh, COVID-19, which everybody in this entire plant now understands, the state is set up 
with an incredible opportunity to be uh, the destination for health services, for health research, for virus uh, investigation, and simply as a destination for um, health and, uh, uh, and, and clinical services in the, in, in the world. So uh, this is, in a positive sense, it's not misusing an opportunity. It is using an opportunity in the best possible sense of the word to become a, a, a center for dynamic growth that is humanly and ecologically sustainable, which can be done. But if we forget the lesson of COVID-19 and go back to business as usual, that would be the biggest mistake. And I'll simply add that to do this, there is no harm in getting external support. Kerala is very well positioned right now to get sizable financial and intellectual and knowledge support and partnership, I would call it, because it's a two-way learning. Uh, they would like to learn from Kerala, and Kerala would like to learn from them. Uh, with the World Bank, the, uh, the International Monetary Fund in a different way than in the past, with uh, Asian Development Bank and the United Nations, all would be very eager participants uh, to play ball with Kerala right now. This is a chance to do and use that opportunity wisely, not returning to business as usual, but to go a different direction on sustainable, ecologically and humanly uh, path for growth. Well, we have to end it there. A fascinating conversation that was, as Vinod said, Kerala's journey so far has been inspiring, but it cannot rest on its laurels. There are challenges ahead and it cannot drop its guard. But there are lessons other states and places can learn from Kerala's experience. On that note, we say goodbye. Tune in for more editions of Hindu Podcast at this website.